Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Nighttime Show. I'm your host, Stephen Kramer Glickman. With us, as always, our producer and head writer, Matt Walker. Today's guest is absolutely incredible. Uh, you might know him from his role as Wacko on the Animaniacs television show. Uh, from his roles in uh, the movie Wall-E and, of course, the movie Up, and uh, most recently, uh, uh, Secret Life of Pets. And, and, uh, That's a secret, though. Yeah, and all, all sorts of other things. Ladies and gentlemen, Jess Harnell is How with about us. that? How about that? Can hey! You, I'm here with you and Matt, dude. This yeah. is it. Show business, That's bro. great. Another person from the best movie with talking animals all year. Oh, yeah, real see? nice. Secret Life of Pets. Real nice, If not pal. one, it's number two, for oh, sure. Oh, man. Yeah, it's a very, he, very good. He does that to me all the time. When uh, when Storks <laughs> was about to come out, we uh, we would him and me would drive down the street, and I'd go, I'd go I'd, I'd, we'd be looking around for billboards, and he yeah. would see Secret Life of Pets billboards, and he'd go, uh, that's the best movie uh, with animals this year. I, now I see like, where you're son going. Son of a bitch! <laughs> yeah, but you know, Storks did have one big thing going yeah. for it. What's that? Stephen Kirk. Right there, ladies and gentlemen. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, Jess, you have uh, a phenomenal career, uh, a phenomenal wardrobe, and ah. a phenomenal voice. Thanks, man. <laughs> now, you and I met uh, on the set of Big Time Rush. Yes. Uh, you came in, and uh, and you just crushed it. You came in for an episode, and everyone lost their mind. Oh, thanks, man. I was playing basically uh, a derivative. It's like a cross between Captain Jack Sparrow and Ozzy Osbourne. Remember that? Yeah. yeah. And he was going to be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and the guys on the show had to babysit him. Yeah, and uh, he constantly had heart attacks. I remember that there were a lot of heart attacks. <laughs> he had heart yeah. attacks constantly on the show. Yeah, yeah, like six of them. Yeah, so but he funny. bounced back quickly, Steve. He really did. And you were great, man. I remember walking out of there thinking that guy's killing it, man. I mean, oh, you, yeah, you were wow. you were so good on that and so funny. Did you wear your own wardrobe when you were on the show? You or? know, it's funny you ask because I seriously, when they asked me to do that, okay. Because uh, once in a while, I mean, primarily what I do is is voiceover and singing, as you know. And yeah. uh, sometimes my buddies that know me will call me and say, hey, you want to do something on camera? And I say, okay, sure. And I already know what it is. They're like, you're going to play an 80s rocker. And I'm like, wow, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. a stretch. Or maybe a pirate. You know? <laughs> but, you know? but it's like, okay, okay, well, I can imagine. I, I, had, I know what you're going to do. And I actually said to them before I went to wardrobe, I said, they said, listen, we're going to have a bunch of stuff for you to wear. I said, you know what? I said, I swear I'm not trying to be difficult in any way, but sometimes when they dress you for these things, Steve, they, they make you look more like Bozo the Clown than Motley Crue. You yeah. know what yeah. I mean? And, and so I said, can I please come in there and like go through this stuff before, we, before I met you, before I showed up on set? Mm -hmm. And they were kind enough. The wardrobe people at Paramount were really, really nice, and they had a lot of stuff laid out for me. Mm -hmm. And I went through it, and I said, this is cool, this is cool, this is stupid, this is stupid, mm -hmm. this is ridiculous, this is ridiculous. Yeah. And Because, you know, I always say in the way I dress, there's a fine line between being a rock star and a transvestite. you got to walk it real yeah. carefully. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's the same as like, there's a fine line between looking like a rock star and looking like a clown, and I didn't want to look like a clown. So the stuff I wore on the show was stuff I would have worn, and, end of the story, they gave it to me at the end of the shoot. They said, you know what, this looked cool on you, you can keep it, and I've oh, worn it since. Oh, that's so, so awesome. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, it's pretty good. I get You don't wear that leopard running suit that you wore a whole bunch you, of You know what, though? <laughs> Do you? Pretty often, yeah, actually. Because really? you look good. Oh, yeah. Well, here's what happened. First uh, first <laughs> episode of Big Time Rush, I came in. I was wearing a suit and a tie. No kidding. And I said, this doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I, that's not how I'm playing the character. We should have uh, these, like, you know, sweaters or like this or whatever. And I, like, uh, they ended up letting go of the uh, the costume department. And the, a new costume department came on. And they dressed me. 
for the whole run of the show. And uh, I ended up, I even bought some of my own pieces cool. to like wear. I'd bring in my own sweaters and my own hoodies. Because yeah, you knew who the guy was. Yeah. <laughs> and so for first season, that those kind of loud sweaters were kind of popular on the show. Yeah. Uh, like it popular, popular in real life. And yeah. then by season two, that fashion had gone away. Yeah. And, uh, well, you and know so, why, you know why sweaters went on a style? Bill Cosby, dude. That was it. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was the end of the sweater. That ruined the sweater. That, would, that ruined the sweater. It's a, he's a sweater ruiner. <laughs> <laughs> Among other things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they ended up having to have sweaters uh, handmade for me uh, by uh, by a company across the street from Paramount called Muto Little, and they Muto? built Muto Little. Muto. That was my name when I was a dancer. It was Muto, Muto, Muto Little. Little. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, was, it was awesome. Thanks, though. man. And now I get to keep all my sweaters. That's pretty great, right? Yeah. I love that that's, stuff. That's a fringe benefit, folks. That's why you want to get into show business is for the free sweaters. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I got free clothes from that show just for being his friend. I showed up See? on the last day of yeah. season two, and they're like. Oh, we're getting rid of a bunch of clothes. You're the same size as everyone in this boy band. Just take what you want. Isn't that great? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You, you got some cool gear out of that, I'll bet. Things you know? that I never would have bought because I'm not I don't understand fashion. I don't know anything about it. <laughs> Look at me now, you can tell. Yeah. But it was I got just a to bunch give, of just stuff. Just to give our, our listeners an idea, uh Matt is currently wearing a a flannel uh shirt that he bought. At a, that at a gas station. He's got a long day of lumberjack in when he gets out And a here. Valvoline hat. Yeah. yeah. There we go. There you go. He's rocking it. All right, he's got the semi outside. And uh, yeah. Jess Harnell is wearing uh, how do you a... This? How do we explain this? It's a, a leather black jacket. and white and red leather jacket with, with, paint, with paint splotches. Yeah. That go with the paint splotches. That go with paint splotches pants <laughs> yeah. as well. <laughs> and a, a watch that you could... Uh, if, if Oh, yeah, that. the sun caught it, it could set fire yeah, to a home. If this wasn't stolen, I'd, I'd let you take pictures of it because... No, no, it's kind of cool. It's like sometimes... When I when I get dressed to go out, I look at myself and it's like, wow, it's like seeing the Grand Canyon for the first time. <laughs> so awesome! Thanks, man. Just a sense awesome. of awe. Yeah, there's a lot going yeah. on, man. It's fantastic. Yeah, um, let's start at the beginning of your Do career it. because you've done an enormous amount of stuff. But how did you get how did you get started? Like before we even get into credits, like how, yeah. where are you from? Where did you grow up? Okay, well, man, I was born on the East Coast and uh, like uh, in Englewood, New Jersey, where you know most people who end up in Hollywood are born. And uh, after that, <laughs> I moved to Philadelphia. My father became the musical director. Director for the Mike Douglas show, which mm-hmm. you, you may not remember, oh, but yeah. it was like a daytime sure. talk show, and it was uh, it was kind of distinctive because they would have guest hosts for five days at a time. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, for five days, my dad worked with John Lennon and Yoko Ono. You know, oh, I mean, so yeah, exactly, God. like extended, uh, you know. Uh, uh, interaction with these folks. He was also a great accompanist. He he accompanied people like Frank Sinatra and Barbra Streisand and all these great singers and wonderful piano player, won Grammys. Later went on, here's some trivia for you, he composed music for TV uh, for shows like The Bionic Woman and like The Incredible Hulk. Remember The oh Incredible Hulk? God, yeah. yeah. Remember the end? My dad wrote that. Whoa! That's so cool! Pretty groovy, right? Yeah, it's really neat. Yeah, so I moved out to LA when I was a little kid and I always just, you know, loved singing and I thought, you know, that my path was going to be completely like being in rock bands and everything. And um, then I found out once upon a time that you could get paid for doing what were called sound-alikes. And Mm sound-alikes are singing impressions of other singers when they don't want to pay for the record they could, there was like some loophole where they could recut the track and hire a singer who sounded like Michael yeah. Bolton or Axl Rose or whoever. They just pay in. the composer their fee That's and they have to pay the singer. And those are just licensing fees. fees. They're not yeah. like like it was the difference between spending let's say five grand to have a song on your TV show and two hundred and fifty thousand yeah. dollars. So I did 
I found out there was money in imitating singers, and I could always do that. And I thought, well, what? I got, I got, yeah, oh my gosh, that's amazing. So yeah, I did hundreds and hundreds of these things. I was on Entertainment Tonight like four times as the sound alike guy because I used to imitate all these singers, which comes into play with something I'm doing more recently that you know about, Steve. But yeah, yeah. Um, so I said, well, this is great, you know, getting paid to sing because I was used to just you know singing for nothing in spandex at the Roxy on a <laughs> Saturday night. So it was kind of cool to get some money for it, <laughs> oh you know. My God. And uh, what, what one thing led to another, and I started singing jingles and like commercials and stuff did hundreds of those and in fact from the very beginning i knew that the key to being successful in things equal to being talented because there's so many talented people is marketing and like knowing how to market yourself as a product mm -hmm. like everything you see when you look at me as part of a brand it's like when, yeah. I, when i when i audition for stuff people remember me because nobody else looks like this that does what i do 100 percent. you know what i'm saying totally so get it, that. It, it pays off it works it's like a gimmick well when i when it came time to make a demo to be a singer I listened to all these other people's demos, and they were all really great, and they were all really good singers. And it's like, here's a Coke jingle, here's a McDonald's jingle, here's a healthcare jingle, here's a this, here's a that. And I thought, well, I want to make mine different. I want to make mine, when they put it on, people will come in the room and check it out. Even if it sucks, they'll mm -hmm. go, listen to what this guy tried to do. So my demo, my first demo for singing uh, to be a session singer was, uh, remember We Are the World? Yeah. With Michael yeah. Jackson and all those guys. Well, I got the track for that, and I imitated everybody on the song. That was my demo. Exactly. Wow. See, like, yeah, okay. like, yeah. Yeah. Like your face. That had everybody big. Yeah, of the at, era, and you can that, oh including Cindy Lauper and stuff. So, like, so yeah, yeah so it's crazy. So people would hear it, and even like I said, even if it sucked, which I thankfully I don't think it sucked too bad, but people would listen to it and they'd call other people in the office and go, "Oh my God, I've never heard a demo like this." So I started getting hired a lot because it was a good marketing thing. That's genius. Yeah. See what I'm saying? Oh my it's good, God. right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, just what a brilliant move. Well, you know, I always tell people it's like if everybody else is doing the same thing. That's that's already covered, so you should do something else. So that's what I tried to do. So started doing tons of work as a session singer, lots and lots of it. Mm -hmm. And then I got this call one day from a guy named Dan Savant, who is still a major music guy in Hollywood. And he was doing the music for this ride at Disneyland called Splash Mountain. Mm -hmm. Okay, And he said, hey, man, I know whenever we work together, and I sang a lot for Dan. And he goes, I know whenever we work together, you're always doing those stupid voices <laughs> on the microphone. He said, why don't you, I think I can get you an audition to try to be some of the voices for this ride. Right. And I said, he said, it's based on Song in the South, which mm -hmm. incidentally is the yep. only Disney movie that can't, can't be on. released commercially because it's yeah. too racist. Yeah. Which is really funny. You can import it from Japan. Yeah, by from the Japan. Way. Exactly. Because I have a copy you. that I got from Japan. You're a All lexicon, right. man. So I got, I borrowed Matt's copy from Japan of the movie and I watched it and, and, I, and I figured out, okay, this is how this voice goes. This is how this voice goes. And the next day I went in and I auditioned and I ended up booking, I think there's like, 14 solo voices on that ride at Disneyland, and I'm like nine of them. Oh, wow. my God. Yeah, I, I booked Br'er Rabbit and Br'er Bear and Br'er Accountant and Br'er Turtle and <laughs> the Vultures and the Crocodile and all oh kinds of God. stuff. And I thought it was great not only because I got paid, which was always a very, very big incentive, mm -hmm. but also because I thought, wow, this is great because now I can take girls to Disneyland and say, listen, like, that's, that's yeah. me, and maybe they'd be impressed. Yeah. And, you know, now, I, on I a gig like that, <laughs> uh, as opposed to a gig of something that, uh, like something's to be on TV, you get residuals for years and years on things that are on TV. For a ride like that, you get paid one time and one it's time. A session fee. That's yeah. it. Yeah. And wow. it, but you get to go and be like, hey, that's me, which is way more cool. Which is cool, dude. Exactly. Yeah. And it's still there. And I've done now since a lot of other stuff for the parks. And I and thankfully, I've never lost that sense of being like, wow, this is amazing. I can still hear my voice on this attraction. You yeah. Know? So did that. Thought it was great. Had a blast. Went back to being a singer. Forgot all about it. 
Um, then a year later, they called me to do Splash Mountain for Disney World because they and they always like to mm-hmm. change the rides a little bit from park to park. And when I went into that one, I worked with this guy called Rick Dempsey, who is who was then and is now like basically the head of Disney's character voices department. They have a whole department dedicated to preserving the integrity mm-hmm. of the characters because the characters are so well known and loved. Yeah. And Rick turned out to love like you know rock music and mm-hmm. so while i was messing around on the mic we started talking about songs and i was singing and imitating stuff and everything like that we became buddies and uh he called me up after we finished it up and he goes hey man he said can you uh he said i know you do brer rabbit he goes can you do roger rabbit and i said well i don't know don't you got a guy doing it and he said yeah but there's some scheduling problems there's conflicts yeah. or whatever and i said all right, man, let me let me look at the movie. So, again, I went over to Matt's house, and I borrowed his copy. <laughs> and I went home that night, and I was watching. And I went, oh, jeepers, so I could do this all day long, you know. Yeah. And the next thing I knew, I went and I auditioned for that, and I got that. So, wow. yeah, so I went from doing Splash Mountain to doing Roger Rabbit. Now I'm showing up on all these gigs with all these, like, you know, voiceover top pros, none of whom I knew who they were, not because they weren't legends, but because I had no awareness of the field at all. Wow. I knew who the bass player was from Rat. But yeah. <laughs> I didn't know who the guy who does Mickey Mouse was, yeah. you know. So after that, so uh, now do you know that? Like, do you know Bill Farmer and I know all, all my buddies, guys? all yeah. my buddies, man. I'll, you know, and I and I'm blessed to hang out with those guys. And every time I work with those guys, I feel like I get better because I work with them. But one thing that was really cool was that Rick, and I'll never forget it. He he really went out on a limb for me. I'm doing all this work as Roger Rabbit, and he said, "Man, you got to get an agent." I said, "I have no idea how to get an agent." He said, "I'll, I'll help you out. I'm gonna help you out." And he wrote this letter that he sent to like the five biggest VO agents in Hollywood. And all you guys listening who are trying to break into the business, you know how rare this is. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I had some awareness of the time, but I didn't know it was as big a deal as it was. He sent a letter, and the letter basically said, to whom it may concern, you know me, I'm Rick Dempsey, I run Disney Character Voices, I've recently begun working with a guy, and if you don't sign this guy to your agency, you're going to regret it for the next 40 years. Sincerely, wow. Rick Dempsey. That's holy that's amazing. shit. Yeah. yeah, isn't that crazy? That's a huge deal. Hey, you said holy. We can say yeah. that on the air? Yeah. yeah. Holy. Great. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> say whatever we want. <laughs> oh, man. I didn't know, man. Now, how, oh, yeah, are yeah, you, yeah. how are you getting auditions before you had an agent? You were just finding out about them and yeah. sending your stuff over? I didn't have any auditions. Yeah. I just got hired for singing stuff because of the We Are The World thing. Okay. And you were so, su- you were submitting your reel. You were yeah, sending a voice reel. Send a singing mm-hmm. reel, not a, a voice reel. I didn't have a voice reel. Yeah. I didn't have a voice reel at all. And what happened was the Splash Mountain thing came through singing. The mm-hmm. Roger Rabbit thing came through the Splash Mountain thing, mm-hmm. and then the agent came through the through Roger that, Rabbit yeah. thing. Wow! Yeah, dude. So, wow. and then it started, and, and a couple months in, I started doing like guest spots on episodic cartoons and some commercials and stuff like that. A lot of the time, I'd be singing spots, and like they'd have the copy in front of me, so I'd be singing about like Budweiser, you know, and I'm like <laughs> I'm a genuine Bud man, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> right. And yeah. I'd see the copy, and I'd go, you know, Budweiser, the cold, crisp taste, you can't beat it. They find it in your freezer, and they'd go, Hey, man, you should just read it. I go, Okay, cool. So I had done some of that, but when I got this agent, about four months after I got an agent, they called me up and they said, Hey, you want to, we want you to read for this show called Animaniacs, and and uh, that. Who did, you, who did you sign with? What agents? Uh, it was ICM with? at yeah. the time. But what was great, Steve? And I mean, you can appreciate this because you work in the business all the time. It's unbelievably rare to have one agent of any stature interested in signing you. Mm-hmm. I had five agencies taking me to lunch. You oh, I mean? my yeah, God. That's amazing. And again, I, this, folks, if it sounds like I'm boasting, I swear I'm not because I thought it was ridiculous. But I mean, I, I'm just, they're like, hey, we'd love to have lunch with you. I go, great, because I didn't have a lot of money. And I'm yeah. like, lunch is great. You know? Oh, yeah. So they take me out for lunch. We talk about it. And, uh, you know, I see them just seem like a great fit. What I remembered about them is they got me work before I signed with them. Uh-huh. Oh, you see? Oh, my God. 
fine. So, so that did it, you know. So that that's what kind of made me go, oh, this is this is going to work out just fine, you know. And Whoa. it's been great ever since. Now they've become DPN. They broke off from ICM because ICM got rid of their voiceover division. They became DPN. I've never been with a different agent. They're great, and I love those guys. Wow, that's incredible, yeah, man. That's cool, man. Amazing, yeah. amazing. How about that? Hey, um, man, this is a lot of fun. Are you having a good time there, Matt I'm Walker? I'm having a great time. Man, oh, man, do I love uh, recording episodes of the Nighttime Show podcast. But you know what I love doing even more than that? What do you love more than that? Popping open a bottle of Fireball whiskey, which I happen to have with me right here. <laughs> that and is you a know bottle what? of Fireball. It is. It's a big bottle. It says Fireball whiskey, and it is yummy, yum, yums, uh, cinnamon flavor. I'm actually, I don't know if you I don't know if you can hear it, but if I hold up the bottle, you can hear the bottle talk. Hang you on, can't I'm hear a bottle talk. Hold. Wait, shh. Just listen real quiet. Oh, what's happening, everybody? How y'all doing tonight? Hey, there's my Whoa. bottle of Fireball hey, whiskey. That bottle's talking. That's that's a crazy. real bottle that can talk. Yeah, that's amazing. What's happening, Matt? You said you were having a good time, right? I am having a good time. You want to have a great time? Yeah, you want to have a great time? You got to... Pop the, we're going to pop this bottle up, and I'm going to put you in my mouth. Yeah. You ready for that? Oh, I've been ready my whole bottle oh, up. Oh, I want oh. you so deep down my oh. throat. Here oh. we go. I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it all. Oh. Give it to Here me, go. baby. I'm, I'm opening it. Oh, can you smell it? Oh. <laughs> well, you swallowed that whole bottle of Fireball. That's amazing. Well, it was a, a nice. It was a lot of Fireball, and it's down in my belly. Are you down there? Steven. This is a blast, man. Thanks for swallowing me. Hey, how's it going in my uh, in my stomach? How is it down there? Oh, it's really great. Hey, did you go to In-N-Out? <laughs> I did. Oh, man, lucky me. Yeah, you bet. Enjoy some of that, buddy. Those are for ya. For y'all. <laughs> this is great, man. Let's get loose. Let's get loose. Let's have a good time. I'm going to shake my belly around. Oh, wait. Whoa. 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 Hey, you see a TV guide in there? Yeah. Whoa, yeah, actually yeah, I do. One of the it's dog air. TV guy. There's a TV and a TV in there. Turn around, you can see it yeah. on the wall. Cool. Um it's Sanyos, I believe. <laughs> Sanyos fireball. What do you see on the TV? Oh my gosh, look at me. What is this a, get out is it you, is it an old episode you, of Quantum oh, Leap? Yeah. Whoa. Is he ever gonna get back? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But enjoy that, buddy. And thanks for being in my stomach. Fireball whiskey. It's a party in your stomach and a party in your heart. Fireball whiskey. Bye. All right, let's get back to the show. Um, so when you uh, when you got Animaniacs, did you know any of the other VO people that were in that at the time, or was that a brand new? It was Rob Paulson, and were they all yeah. brand new to you? See, you know, you know more about it than I did. Here's what happened, man. I showed up. Right. Well, first of all, the way I got it was really funny because um, when I read for it the first time, you know, they, they had all the character descriptions, but no pictures. Right. And I re- they said you can read for any four characters. Right. So I read for, you know, Yakko and Wacko and a couple other guys. And with Wacko, I just did some crazy cartoony voice because it said this guy's completely out of control. Doesn't wear pants, which I thought mm-hmm. was awesome. Hysterical. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And he carries a bag with him that's got everything in the world in it, and he hits people with a hammer. And I'm like, well, either, either he's a serial killer or a cartoon <laughs> character. This <laughs> right, yeah. Right? So I did some wacky voice, and I got a callback. And you know you know, the callback is when they like your initial audition enough to bring you back. Right? Sure, yeah. So I go in there, and I'm working with Andrea Romano, who's won more Emmys for voice directing than anybody in history, and she's, she was fantastic and is fantastic. And she's directing me at my callback, and she goes, Hey, you know, you do a lot of impressions. And I said, yeah. And she goes, why don't we try some with impressions? I said, okay, Mm -hmm. who do you want to try? And her first answer was Elvis. 
Mm-hmm. Which is so weird because yeah. imagine Wacko being like, "Hey man, hello nurse, you know, <laughs> can I call you Dadu? Come on, man, that's yeah. all right." You know, it would have been like you see what I'm saying. It's just I got a potty emergency, man. You know, what I, it's like it would have been so weird. So I said, uh, I said, I said, well, hey, she goes. So we did Elvis, and she goes, okay. She goes, well, what about the Beatles? And I love the Beatles, man. I mean, I love me some Beatles. I know all of, I'm like the Rain, I'm like Rain Man with the Beatles. I'm like, yeah, you know, John Lennon born 1940, definitely 1940. <laughs> so I, I, I know everything about the Beatles. So I said, well, which Beatle do you want? She goes, well, you know, don't they all pretty much sound the same? And I said, see, that this is the no. mistake. I yeah. said, that's like thinking everybody from L.A. sounds the same. You know, because she got like John's voice was always sort of sharp and in his nose. It's just like it's coming out of the ear, you know. And then Paul's voice was a bit like more light and friendly, like, and they're friendly and having a good time and all this sort of thing, you know. Then there's George, and George always talks very slowly and had a very thick accent like this, you see. And then there was Ringo, and Ringo's down there at the bottom, you know, so they're all different, you know. So I said, I said, well, so let's do it like John. You know, so I'm like, hello, nurse. And I'm like, you know, we're hanging out in the water tower. This is great. So we're going to have a great time. And, and then she showed me a picture of him. And I went, oh, he's a little tiny guy. I hadn't seen a picture of him. Mm-hmm. And she goes, yeah, I go, well, I can't have him sound like a man if he's a little tiny guy. And I go, so let's just, you know, we'll take his voice and make it smaller. And next thing you know, we had Wacko. And that was it. You know, that's where it all started. Oh, my wow. yeah. God. So, dude, so I got that. What's great about that? I'll tell you, this is a funny story. I'm sorry I'm rambling on. No, here, no, 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 no. This is what it's all about. Steve yeah, asked man. me a question 45 minutes ago. <laughs> man. Was, um, no, so what was really cool is that, you know, when you, you asked if I knew these people. So I booked the show. I knew Steven Spielberg was involved. So I figured that the checks would clear, and that was a good sign. Mm-hmm. And um, I show up the first day, and I'm working for where you. Where were you? Where was it? It was a place called Soundcastle in Glendale. That's where we started recording. It's no longer a studio, I don't think, but it was a great place. And show up. For you voiceover aficionados, I was working with Rob Paulson, Tress McNeil, and Frank Welker. Okay, now, between the three of these guys, they could blow up IMDb. Okay, I mean, it's like they just worked on everything. I had no idea who any of them were, which was actually really beneficial because even though nervous and intimidated are not two words I'd use to describe myself, if I had known who they were, I might have been a little bit more intimidated. But as it was, I just thought, this is so goofy. Listen to these voices. These guys Mm -hmm. are doing crazy stuff. And in fact, my first words to Rob Paulson, who's since become like one of my best friends, you know, he he was, they had a coffee break. And now, other than saying hello at the beginning of the session, we hadn't talked. And I walked over and he's making coffee and I was thinking, this guy's really good, you know. So I, I went over to him and I just kind of looked at him and I, my first thing I said to him, I go, he said, hey man, how you doing? I said, good, good. I go, I thought this was really intelligent, but it's really ridiculously stupid. I said, I said, you know, I, uh, I really like it when you make your voice sound like people that you're not in real life. That's what he did. And he went, yeah, man, well, you know, you too. That's pretty good. So, and and a, a really fun little anecdote that I love to tell is, is, is like, I don't have any, like, filter, you know, which it probably explains that why I have a busy social life because I, I just say whatever comes into my head. And usually... It goes over pretty well, but sometimes it's like, wow, that was pretty crazy that you said that. The first time I met Steven Spielberg, uh, they had this unbelievable party for us right before the show premiered on the Warner lot. Now, we knew that Steven liked what he was seeing, but he hadn't met any of us yet. So they had this big party. I mean, Steve, they had freaking Ferris wheels, and they had 40 different catering stations. And oh, I mean, my yeah, God. Yeah, they spent at least $400 on this thing. It was great. And so it's this big party on the <laughs> lot, you know, and there's red carpet and all that. And I'm thinking, wow, this is, this is going to be a big show, you know. And all at once, they take all of us over to this one area, and they said, hey, Steven's coming out to, to meet you. We, you know, everybody line up in a row, and we're going to line everybody up. So we're all standing there in this line. And out of this building comes Steven. 
And he looks exactly like Steven Spielberg. He's wearing the jean jacket. He's got the baseball cap on. You know, he's cool. He walks out, and behind him is this other guy. And this other guy has, like, a little clipboard. Okay? And he's going down the line, and Steven's walking up to each person. And the guy behind him is basically saying, this is Rob Paulson. He was one of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> he's been on this. He's been on that. He won the Emmy. He did this. He did this. And then, and then. So Steven goes up and goes, Rob, man, loved you on the Turtles. Not that Steven didn't know his homework, but he had so much to keep yeah. straight. I'm sure. Right. right. Yeah. So he's shaking hands with everybody. So he gets down to me, and the guy's like, this is Jess Arnell. He's relatively new to voiceover. He's been doing Roger Rabbit. He's been doing this. He's been doing that. He sings in rock bands. He's sang 500 sound likes for TV, and he sang 1,000 jingles and this and that and everything. Right? So Stephen comes over to me, and he goes, Jess, man, he goes, I want you to know I really love what you're doing with Wacko. Nobody else did something that weird with it, and it's such a pleasure to have you here, and I hope we all have a great success with the show, and welcome aboard, you know, and all this nice stuff. And as he's saying, I'm just nodding and looking at him, and he finished talking, and I go, hey, man. I got to be honest with you and tell you, I didn't really hear a word of that because all I could think about the whole time you were talking is how much money you have in your wallet right now. <laughs> oh, right? my yeah. God. Right? Yeah. And everybody, exactly, you know, and everybody oh, on the geez. line, everybody on the line was like, <gasps> and, and, he's, and he's shaking my hand and we kind of look at each other for five seconds and he goes, he goes. It's a lot. <laughs> right? right? And I go, I go, I know, dude. I go, like, how long we've we been talking? Like 30 seconds? $10,000, right? I go, 10, 15? He goes, something like that. I said, yeah, listen, it's really great to meet you, man. It's an honor, and I hope, I hope that I do a good job on the show. And he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he starts walking away, and they're all looking at me like, why did I, like, what did you do? <laughs> oh and Steven turns around and goes, hey, Jess, let's get a coffee. So I go, okay. So we went over and had a coffee. Me and oh, Steve. So, man. This is what I'm saying, man. It's like yeah. if you just say what you're thinking, you know, usually oh, things are going to go well. That is yeah. that's amazing. amazing. So that's how I got started, Steve. Next question. Oh, <laughs> man. Now, uh, I looked on your IMDb, and there is something that you did that I was a little uh, – I don't – remember the announcer on this show that's why I gotta ask you about it but you were the announcer on America's Funniest Home Videos I still am for 18 years dude that's amazing because I remember like Bob Saget doing the voiceover of a for lot all the, of it for all the clips yeah and let let them continue to do that because I love that gig because I don't have to go nuts I go in there yeah. I love the people I love the show I th I'm so proud of doing that show man because as crazy as and, and as wild as I may look I love the fact that there's still entertainment that families can watch together mm -hmm. and the little kid can watch with their mom who can watch with their mom and everybody laughs and it's cool and AFV is one of those shows. Everyone loves seeing a man get hit in the nuts. You know what? Tom Bergeron, who was the host of that show for so long, man, and what yeah. a good guy. He said to me one time at a rap party, we were celebrating being the longest running show in ABC history. And like mm -hmm. I said, it might be 19 years now, Matt, that yeah. I've been doing I've been doing a long time. It's a time. long time. Yeah. yeah. And I said, I said to Tom, I go, man, do you, you think it's going to keep going? He goes, Jess, as long as people like watching each other hit themselves in the nuts, we're going to have a show. And it's true. People yeah. love it, man. <laughs> you can't, I don't know. Exactly. It's See, you're funny. laughing talking it's about it because it's funny. just funny. You're, yeah. If you're channel surfing, dude, right, like late at night or whatever, you know, it's always on. Yeah. And you turn it on, you know you're going to laugh for 10 minutes. Yeah. Yep. That's pretty cool. Like, Absolutely. you know exactly what you're going to get. Right. And that's exactly what you want to get. Yeah. And it's just, it gives you exactly what you want, nothing more, nothing less. Yeah, it's perfect. Man, I love yeah. them so much. I was just there yesterday, and when they show me my bits before I read them, they do, we do a preview. And I'm seeing the clips coming as I'm about to tell you how to win $100,000 on the show. Wow. And as this clip starts, I'm like, okay, that beam's going to fall on his head. That ball's going to hit him in the chin. Yeah. That seesaw's going to hit him <laughs> in the nuts. That motorcycle's going to go out from under him, and he's going to do about, you know, because you just, you can see it coming, but it's still fun to see. It. Yeah. You know, yeah. and what's cool, too, by the way, in all those clips, I should point out, you know that they will not run clips where somebody got hurt. 
like really, really hurt. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. like if if you you know if you're yelling for a second because you got hit in the nuts or something, they'll yeah. show that. But, sure. But they're never going to do something where somebody needed to go to the hospital. You or, know, you know which is cool. A, you when know? I was a kid, my uh, we would watch that show yeah. on repeat. Yeah, every yeah. our whole family would sit down and watch it, and it became a thing that over the summer we would try to make a funniest vi- home video <laughs> sure. and try to submit it. And like, how, I, I'm sure we put in a few VHS tapes over the years sure of us too, like man. awkwardly That's trying awesome. to fall into the pool, you know, stupid yeah. things like that. And they, they're, they're, good at, they're good at sussing those out too. The ones where people are trying to make stuff Faking happen, it, yeah. they're pretty good. They Do you like think a, that that show has really been affected by the prevalence of YouTube now? Like so many of these clips now people just put online instead of like sending to a place like that like because there's this easy outlet i mean half of youtube is people just screwing around doing weird stuff it's a great point and i'll tell you a couple of things first of all youtube has changed everything because Mm -hmm. it's like i I do a lot of appearances and i do a lot of work with kids too and like when you're talking to little kids they don't watch tv man yeah they watch youtube i my friends my friend brought his kids over to watch a raider game a couple weeks ago his daughter sat there for three hours watching videos of people opening toys on youtube yeah oh yeah on, there's on a new thing that's what Dude, i've unboxing. heard about that where they're opening to- that's, that's the whole, these kids I will know. watch it for hours but, i was like that's amazing you know, i don't the know funny what's thing, going on. the cool yeah. thing is though and i'm not just saying it because i'm involved i try really hard to be objective about everything that i do and just kind of look at it from outside myself the cool thing with afe is and the reason that i think it will continue to have a life is because a people who don't watch youtube and still watch tv mm-hmm. are going to love to watch afe yeah. plus there's the element of winning some serious dough yeah you know so people go yeah. well i can put my thing up on youtube and maybe not my neighbors will see it but this is a pretty good and I could win a hundred grand because they do give yeah. they give away a hundred grand twice a year. That's a big deal. Yeah, yeah and that's I'm, a big. That's a just big for shooting part of, a video at a birthday party of your kid's face landing in the cake or whatever. Yeah. You know, and, and it changes some people's lives. So it's really a, a cool thing. That's cool. Yeah, because I mean, there there are other like knockoff shows. I mean, there's of been course. so many the, and they don't take that same like family angle that that show has done. Like yeah. America's Funniest Home Videos has always been a family show and it will always be a family show. And then right you on. have your Touch Pointos, you have your Ridiculousness, you have your Whacked Out Sports, all those other clip shows yeah. which do a different take on it which is nice. They're they're doing a similar thing, but they're completely different shows. Well, it's like it's like those shows. I gotta be honest with you, man, and I'm not, not dissing them at all. But I've I've have seen them all, you know, in isolated yeah. episodes and stuff. And sometimes, because I know they're not following that mandate of people yeah. not going to the hospital, you're seeing stuff and you're like, you know, that guy is going to be in a hospital bed for six months. Yeah, he's going to be a Larry I, H. Parker commercial. For yeah, man, and yeah. Larry H. Parker. ridiculousness and shows like that. That's what I'm t- just, exactly. Yeah, I mean. It, there, those are fun shows to watch, but you're also watching it going, "Oh my god, that person got really, really hurt." Really, like you're really concerned with them. messed up. Yeah, exactly. oh yeah, that's my favorite yeah. part is watching people. Get yeah, well, and, so, and I mean, there's, there's, <laughs> there's that you know Schadenfreude, you know, which yeah. is the German word for yeah. right. taking pleasure in somebody else's misfortune. But yeah, man, I that mean, describes it, my entire sense of humor. <laughs> that's <laughs> right. It's Matt Schadenfreude, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, right here. I think that's his last name. <laughs> um, all right, so I'm going to take a little walk through some of these credits with you, real Go quick. Now, the first credit, and I we always like to bring up the first credit on your IMDb. Yeah, which I don't is, even look at. But is Throb. Throb, ah! 1986 TV series. Wow. You played that's, a member of one? the Playthings. That's number one. That's the first thing you ever did. Oh, my is, God. I don't know if that's true. No, it's totally not the first thing I ever did. I've been singing sessions for like a year before that. Well, what mm-hmm. was so, that? What was that? Throb exactly? was a sitcom that was set at a record label in, I think, New York or something like that, and showed what went on behind the scenes of a record label. And my part in that was pretty funny. 
me and some buddies got on there as this band called The Playthings, and the guy at the record label said, okay, guys, let me hear your new song. And we basically did a death metal song called I Just Want to Die. Right? <laughs> and when it was over, he goes, yeah, he goes, that, that's good, but this is a county fair. That song's not going to work. And I said, mm-hmm. oh, no problem. We got something for a county fair. And we sang Goodbye, My Coney Island Baby in Barbershop Harmony. Uh-huh. And nice. And looking like you know rock yeah. and roll guys and stuff. So it got a big laugh, and that a big laugh, and that was my uh, my my introduction to the fabulous <laughs> world of show business. But like I said, I had been singing stuff for a long time. The funny thing with IMDb is when you're not credited for stuff, sometimes, sure, sure. and even sometimes when you are, it's still missing. Yeah, no, well, here's one of my on one of my favorite things about yeah. sometimes you discover little hidden gems like sure. that. That show um, had a couple. Let's I'm going to throw out a couple cast members who were on that show yeah. with you. When, when in one of your first credits, uh, Robert Picardo from yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. from Star the Trek, Doctor. Yep. right? Yep. Um, we got uh, Richard Hatch. Yep. from mm-hmm. uh, Battlestar Galactica, Galactica, right? Not Richard um, Hatch from Survivor. Different no, Richard no, Hatch. the different Richard guy. Hatch, pre um, pre Survivor. <laughs> we got Paul Walker. Yeah, uh, from Fast oh, yeah. and Furious, yeah. the late Paul Walker. God rest his soul. Right? God rest his soul. Yeah. Jane leaves. Yep. Oh, oh for wow. sure. Jane leaves was a regular. Yeah, and lots of other amazing. Yeah. I, I just I love that. I just ran into Jonathan Lipnicki the other day oh, from Jerry Maguire. Love that kid. And we were talking, and he said, uh, he goes, I said, oh, uh, I just worked with Ed Bagley Jr. on something, and he goes, Ed Bagley Jr. He played my father on a TV show where Bronson yeah. Pinchot was <laughs> Pinchon, an yeah. alien and yeah. lived with us, and I was like. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I never heard of it. It was on for like. Oh, four dude, episodes. it's like branches. It's six degrees of everybody. I just love yeah. that stuff. Yeah, of I course, love it. Man. It's way Darkwing fun. Duck. You were on Darkwing. Yeah, Duck. Can Darkwing... we ask real quick before that? You're credited as a voice on the Adventures of Monkey Island. Yeah, which is one of the all-time great point-and-click adventure video games. Thanks, like that's man. a legendary game. Yeah. Thanks. In yeah. that realm. Now, when you do video games, is that a different thing for you in terms of how you approach that from TV series, or how does that work? It's a good question. You know, one good thing that comes up out of working as much as I have been blessed to work over the years is that sometimes you have the power to say no. And the reason I bring that up is that with video games, a lot of the time, you guys would be shocked, man. I mean, it's like, you know, this is, you know, it's strange to think that my entire livelihood rests on two pieces of muscle that are about a half an inch long and a quarter <laughs> yeah. inch thick. And that's seriously my, my pipes, right? Yeah. And sometimes you go to do a video game and you'll walk in and they'll book you for eight hours and you'll have literally like 400 pages and it'll have death scream. That's Short crazy. death scream, yes. medium death scream, long death scream, and they want sets of three on each one. Mm -hmm. Okay, then it'll have battle cries, pages and pages of battle cries. And so you're screaming and screaming and screaming. So the main difference with video games is that I don't do as many of them as I do animated movies and TV because it's so much more demanding. And hats yeah. off to all you guys that do it all the time, man. God bless you. But I, all I know is that sometimes after doing a video game session, the only voice I have for two days is this one. Mm, oh, my God. I can't <laughs> believe I did that video game. My voice you know? And it's like, it's like I don't want to mess it up. So um, the funny thing with video games is that I do do several of them that have gone on to big success. And, in fact, one day I was at a uh, signing stuff at some Comic-Con somewhere, which I've been doing you know, periodically, and it's... It's a lot of fun. You get to meet a lot of cool people. But this little kid said to me, he goes, I said, so you play video games? You know, I'm just making a conversation with him. He goes, yeah. And I said, what's your favorite? He goes, oh, I love Spyro. You know, Spyro the dragon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. I go, yeah, Spyro's cool, man. And he goes, well, you're Spyro. And I go, no. And he goes, yeah. And, and he showed it to me. And I go, oh, my gosh. Yeah, I was. <laughs> <laughs> I totally forgot that I was wow. him and I was Crash Bandicoot and like mm-hmm. all these other like large, you know, big iconic video game characters. But basically... 
work is work and I love it and I show up and I do it and then I just sort of forget that I did it and it's great. You know, unless they keep having me back and then I remember I got to show up again. Yeah. In, in the voiceover world, uh, I know that there was like a huge thing with SAG after this past year. There about, always is. There's always <laughs> Periodically, something. Periodically, right? Like, it, it, was that something, uh, can we talk about that just for sure, a second? Like, of did, How do you feel about that? It's I mean, a great question. And the, the simple answer, what, what Steve's talking about is basically... Um, making this as much of a nutshell as I can. You know, sure. video games make more money than everything else in the world put together. Okay, right. video games make more money than TV, more money than movies, more money than concerts, more movie, more money than anything. Yeah. However, video games do not pay residuals to the performers who work on them. Right. Okay. Um, that that's not to say that if Al Pacino does a voice on the Scarface game, he's not getting a big chunk of change up front because he's Al Pacino mm-hmm. doing the Scarface game. Sure. But you know, for the working uh, voiceover actors like myself. You know, you might be able to get double scale or something to work on a video game, which is more than, you know, other people just starting out might get or whatever. But you're not going to get residuals. And here's the deal. What it exactly is right now in our culture is video games are to 2000 and the decade, this decade, Mm -hmm. what the Brady Bunch and I Dream of Genie and Gilligan's Island were to the 60s and 70s. In other Mm -hmm. words, people who worked on those shows got almost nothing. Right. Okay. I mean, they got paid up front in what seemed like decent money at the time. Those shows have each been rerun probably 100,000 times, and those people don't get any residuals. Yeah. Now, we have corrected that, okay? And the people who are working on sitcoms now will make residuals for, forever Like you get a check every time I see you on Empty Nest. Yeah, you know, Empty <laughs> Nest. Oh, my gosh, that's right. Yeah. By now Which, by like, the way, it, I still but, watch that show. It's like two cents, but yes, yeah. I do. <laughs> but, but the thing is that, that um, it, it basically what's going to happen is in 15 years, 20 years, yeah. this will all be sorted out mm-hmm. and you will get residuals on video games and it'll be fine. But right now it's the 60s for TV. That's what it is. And everybody's yeah. fighting to the nail because the poor people who do make most of their money in video games don't enjoy the residuals that people working in television and films do. And yeah. that's got to equal out and it will equal out. Mm-hmm. But it's a battle. So that's what's up. Look, I mean, you have... Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of credits. Isn't that I weird? Mean, I know how that happened. An dude. extraordinary <laughs> amount of credits. What, like, instead of <laughs> going through, um, instead of going through all of them, yeah. yeah. What, uh, what are some of your favorites? Like, do you have some favorite uh, pieces that you've worked on that you're kind of the most proud of, or that you have up in your home, or that you like when? Oh, that's you get, very sweet. I, like I, that? I, you know, it's it's a great question. There's always projects that are dear to your heart. Um, there's one I wish I could tell you about on air. I, I could in a few months. Um, there's two things that happened in the last year that were really awesome, which is that two of the movies that I loved most when I was a kid were being remade into new animated projects, and I landed featured roles in both of those projects, which, as I said, when I was a kid, were my favorite movies. Oh my so God. that's that's really amazing. In terms of stuff that I can talk about. Animaniacs holds a huge place in my heart because I have I made friendships there that I still maintain and I love those people. Yeah, we what? got to do all those great songs. God, I learned about ever... geography. You know what I mean? yeah. That sh- that show was absolutely yeah. phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, there's right? no, never. I don't think that we've ever had a cartoon that's been as incredible as Animaniacs. Yeah. And it it, hit it was me. like the Marx Brothers as a cartoon. It yeah, it was. really that's they, was. That's how they designed it, Matt. Yeah. Totally. It really was. And as a kid, I remember wanting so badly to be in the industry and wanting to get into the, the movie business, but mostly because I wanted to be on the Warner Brothers oh, lot. Oh, dude, that's Because that's man. where it, you, I mean, and that's where it took place, was on the Warner Brothers right. lot, in yeah. the tower. Yeah. And it just, it, it always hit home with me where it was like, this is probably what it's like. Like, this is, 
is probably yeah. kind of Aww. what it's like to be on the on a lot and you walk around and That's you have beautiful. these you sing songs and you know awkward thing funny things happen you run into random select Orson Welles is there yeah you know? everybody oh yeah amazing amazing I always love that about that cartoon well you know write your uh, write your war- local uh, Warner Brothers affiliates folks and tell them you want more Animaniacs because apparently there's a campaign to uh, to do some new Animaniacs which would be amazing we'll I would see love it, that because yeah. a lot of people talk about it a lot of the um, the people that I meet at shows at cons and stuff like that and they're all like we're getting a petition together we're getting and it's like that'd be great because think what they could do with Trump think what they could do with the Kardashians oh, yeah. there's so much stuff that they could oh. you know have a good time with but so Animaniacs huge soft spot first big show amazing 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 uh, going through the years uh, it's like I love this show called Drawn Together that I did on love Comedy Drawn Central together. yeah that, you were you Captain Hero Strong. yeah Tara Strong I was Captain Hero yeah, yeah. Oh, which so who amazing. is the absolute world's worst superhero yeah. and was as you, well, this is the cool thing though about the secretly over, gay yeah, but not well, gay he also was a necrophiliac yeah. and he was you know <laughs> there's so much I, terrible I've stuff. seen every episode of that series at least twice it's it was the rudest cartoon yeah. you could possibly oh, do yeah. and still get away with and there were things I imagine that they only got away with because nobody was paying any attention. That's very true. And then I, I love the creators of that too. I mean, I've made so many great friends over the years. And I remember when they came to me one year and they, or one time and they said, "Oh my God, we're gonna make a movie." And I thought, "Well, that's great." And then I went, "What are you gonna put in the movie?" Yeah. And they said, "Everything we couldn't put on the TV show." And I'm like, "Well, that's nothing." <laughs> yeah. And it yeah. was the only premiere I've ever been to where I was literally sliding down in my seat, going, "Oh my!" God, I can't believe we did this. <laughs> but this is the great thing about voiceovers. Yeah. I can go from doing something like Drawn Together, which is as politically incorrect and offensive as it gets, yeah. to this show called Adventures in Odyssey, which is like this this huge radio, uh, internet radio show that's been around for 25 years or something. One of the most listened to shows in the world, and it's it's a, a like a Christian show, and it's oriented to good messages for families. And mm-hmm. it's so sweet natured and good. And meanwhile, I'm doing Captain Hero, you know. And then I go and I do Transformers, where I'm mm-hmm. these giant because I'm I'm the only guy in the Transformers movies who's an Autobot, which is the good guys. Mm-hmm. And I'm Ironhide, who's second in command to Optimus yeah. Prime, you know. And I'm him. And then I'm also Barricade, who's the uh, a police car that's a Decepticon. Yeah. So I'm like a good guy. So awesome. Yeah. So I'm. A, it's like I'm good and bad. And then. I do, like recently, I'm, we're working on these two shows that are for Disney that were huge, huge hits and really, really great shows. One was called Doc McStuffins, it's still going, and the other's called yeah. Sophia the First, that's still going. And these shows, like the guy behind Sophia the First calls me up and he goes, hey man, he goes, did you hear that we were the biggest show ever in China when we debuted? And I said, biggest wow. cartoon? He goes, no, biggest show ever, Sophia the First. So, that's amazing. Wow. Yeah, yeah, and the crazy thing, There's man, a billion people Like, like a billion people watching you. Sophia the First, you know? So, now, did so, they use your voice for that in China? No, they no, they use some guy who's like, <laughs> like, I think I'm like, no, yeah. and I'm like, that, 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 I don't know what the hell that was. But, but it's, 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 you know, the character, character. that I do here yeah. in town. Well, it's not, you know, character. People say, oh, you're so-and-so. I'm like, no, man, I'm, I'm the voice of so-and-so. There's animators and writers. It's so collaborative. Well, but, let's, uh, wait, let me, let me throw yeah, a couple yeah, yeah. real quick things at you. Go, Ice, Ice Age, The Meltdown. Yeah, Ice Age. Who, I worked on a couple of those. What, what did you do? I in, have uh, no idea. Those. This is what I mean. <laughs> see, if I see the movie or somebody is paying attention and goes, you were the woolly mammoth, I'd be like, yeah, because I well, in Cars, you were Sven, Sven the Governator. Yes, I, yes, yeah, yeah, that's right. That was like an Arnold thing. Is right? that you doing Arnold? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because it's fantastic. You know, now he's got this celebrity apprentice. It's a big show of a bastard. Yeah, sure. You know, man. It's, yeah, whatever it is that they dial me up. I got so many stories. I, I know, man. You. I mean, you know, you know, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, I've done a bunch of those. Um, have you played any of the turtles? Or they, no, they I haven't. slide you to. to uh, they, I'll be this guy. I'll be you you know, April? tourist. <laughs> yeah, April, exactly. I'll be, I'll, I'll, you know, whatever it is, it's like you come in and you fill in spots, man. I mean, oh, I and, love it too. and the more of it, the better. But I mean, it's harder. What's really cool, man, is at this point, it's actually harder for me to think 
think of a show that I haven't guested on than a sh- or been on than a, than a show that I have, and that's such a huge blessing. And I, I don't that not a day goes by that I'm not grateful about it. Absolutely. Well, yeah. Now, what about Up? Up, yeah, Up. I was the guy. I, I do remember that because it was like that. Was, have you seen the movie? I'm of sure. Of course. What a fantastic what a, movie. Yeah. Yeah, heartbreaking. I, yeah, heartbreaking. Yeah. Op- the opening is dude the saddest right? opening in any ever. cartoon ever. Ever heartbreaking. Yeah, it makes Bambi's mom getting killed look like Sesame Street. Yeah. It's like yeah, it's it, it's hard. It, it's emotionally very. It's an uh, very, incredible movie. Incredible movie. And unfortunately, I wish I could say I had a, a sweeter role in it. I'm the guy that came to take the old man out of his house and say, "Okay, it's time to go. Go get your stuff. We're taking you away." That was me. What? The guy who shows up on the porch and says. Plus, I did incidental voices in it, but that was my featured voice. I, I uh, when we had um. Uh, when we had uh, Bill Farmer in, great he, guy. One of his credits is uh, is uh, Beauty and the Beast, and yeah. we were like, "What did you do in Beauty and the Beast?" He was like, uh, "I was the voice of eggs." <laughs> I was like, "What does that mean?" <laughs> and like little dancing eggs. He goes, "No, no, 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 no." When Gaston throws eggs in the, in his in the air, and then he, and he opens his throat, them. and he, he goes, "Gulp, gulp, gulp." That's, that's me doing the voice yeah. of the gulp, gulp, gulp. When he said he I gets just, paid to do Pluto barking. Yeah, yeah. Like oh, yeah. that's one of his gigs. He's just like they call him, and sometimes they're like, you just bark. Woo, woo, All right. woo. Thanks. All right, yeah, it's done. It is. Yeah. I love it. No, you did uh, Wreck It Ralph as well. Wreck It Ralph, I did. And uh, you know what? I hate to say this. I've heard such wonderful things about the movie. I still haven't seen that movie. I I remember working on it, having a blast. But I, if I, you watch everything you do, you don't have time to do the work. Oh, uh, God That's bless it. You, man. You have yeah, so there's, much stuff. There's, you have. there's a lot of stuff. Uh, you know what's fun though, Matt? Sometimes sure. cartoons will be on someplace, and a show will be going, and I hear something, and I go, oh, "That's kind of a cool voice." And I go, "Oh, wait a minute! <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I did me. that. Yeah. That was because you know, I forgot." I love it, dude. Yeah. That's that's so incredible. Yeah, it's pretty great, right? I love it, man. Thanks, you have buddy. such an incredible career and so many cool, so many cool things. You've done so many cool things, but you are in a band, and we need to talk about this. Band. Yeah, the band is great, dude. The, it's really I, weird. I, you sent me, you told me to take a look, yeah, still look it up, and I did, and Thanks, I watched like five songs, okay. and I was like, mm-hmm. now these are the name of the band is Rock Sugar, yeah. And where do you guys, do you guys, how did you guys meet? How did you guys form? How did this happen? Dude, this is a good story, man. Okay, listen, all you guys who, you know, who are listening to my buddy Steve right now, you got it. When you have a minute, when this show's over, just go to YouTube, okay, and put in Rock Sugar. And and I'm not saying this guy I'm involved. If I wasn't involved, I'd be having the same conversation. I'd say, I heard these guys. And watch a video and make sure you watch at least the first minute and a half because the idea for Rock Sugar, and this, this it's again. It's sexcellent. That's yeah, how we call it. very much. Not man. even excellent. Like it's sexcellent. That that, I'm using that. <laughs> you should I'll, use that as your next album title. Yeah, I'll go copyright Stephen Kramer. Really Sexcellent. Sexcellent. Um, well, I had this idea. I was hanging out with my best buddy, Chuck Duran, and we were on a, an island. We were in Turks and Caicos, okay? Because like you said, I've had pretty cool life experiences, and they called me up and they said, hey, we'll fly you to Turks and Caicos. We'll put you up. You can have hang gliding lessons and all these kind and, and kayak lessons and whitewater rafting and whatever you want to do. I don't know if they have whitewater rafting. I'm just fishing for stuff. Yeah. And they said, all you got to do is sing three acoustic songs a day on the beach. And I said, cool, man. So I went to Turks and Caicos. And we're sitting there on the beach one day watching the sun go down. And I said to my buddy, I said, you know, we stupid. I said, if there was some 80s hair metal band, you know, like Def Leppard or Poison, and I love those guys, by the way. And they got shipwrecked on an mm-hmm. island at the end of the 80s. And all they had to listen to on that island, because they, had, they would have the CD collection of a 13-year-old girl from the 80s. So all they'd have to listen to was pop songs from the, re- yeah. from the 80s. Yeah. So these guys are hardcore metalheads, but now they're listening to Journey and Paula Abdul and Rick Springfield and all this kind of stuff. And eventually they became brainwashed. So when they got rescued in 2009, because they were shipwrecked in 1989, they thought that Madonna was metal. They thought that Journey was metal. They think all these bands are metal. So what the band does is the guys will play like Enter Sandman. By Metallica. Right. But I sing 
Don't Stop Believing by Journey over Enter Sandman, and we call it Don't Stop the Sandman, and we make it work. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Right? We do uh, ACDC's You Shook Me All Night Long, but I sing Madonna's Like a Prayer over it, and it becomes You Shook Me Like a Prayer. Mm-hmm. Okay? Love it. So we did this, and we make this video for the Don't Stop the Sandman song. We make this album, which I'm very proud of, because the cool thing is people sometimes say, hey, man, is it cool that you know I start laughing when I hear some of the beginnings of these songs? And I go, yeah, that's the whole point, that you'll start laughing, and then by the middle of it, you'll go, this is actually really cool. So we mm-hmm. worked really hard on it. But like our second gig that we ever did was in front of 20,000 people opening up for Motley. I mean, it's like we've, we've opened up for Aerosmith and ACDC and Linkin Park and Avenged Sevenfold and Def Leppard and Kid Rock and you name it, we have shared and Slash. We've shared bills with all these guys. And the funny part about it, folks, is it just goes to show you, you know, you beat your head against the wall trying to figure out how to get paid for making music your whole life. And I mean, I've written a lot of songs I'm proud of and made records I'm proud of. And then you make up this idea of mashing songs together in a live environment with a theme, yeah. and you're looking out at 100,000 people on a bill with ACDC. I mean, seriously. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah, it's been insane, dude. That's amazing. Yeah, crazy. All right, so I'm going to throw you some names here. Yeah. He- heaven and Heaven. Oh, what that, is, what's that? Heaven and Heaven up? is uh, Brian Adams' Heaven. You know? Oh, oh heaven thinking and hell? about all our younger years. That song yeah. with Warren's Heaven isn't too far away, closer oh. to it every day. Oh, amazing, yeah, amazing. They go perfect. That's great. That's our ballad. Everybody holds up the cell phones. All right, how about... Uh, Straight to Rock City. That's awesome, dude. First of all, you know, I'm a big Kiss fan. I, I grew up loving Kiss. Did you like, grow up loving Ma, Kiss? I yeah. love Kiss. Yeah, come on. I mean, how can you not love Do you know, it, you do know? You know Gene at all? I've, have you ever I've heard hung it? out with Gene. I've oh, met man. Paul. Gene's a trip, dude. And I love Paul because Paul, you know, Paul's got like the two voice thing going on. You know, like on stage, like, I got to tell you people. You know, he's talking <laughs> like that. And then off stage, he's like, you know, because Kiss is really like a bagel. I mean, you got the seeds <laughs> and the cream cheese and you spread it on there. It's delicious. You know, and you're like, well, he sounds like one of the housewives of Long Island or whatever. Yeah. But, but that song, Straight to Rock City, is Kiss's arguably best song, Detroit Rock City, mm-hmm. combined with Paula Abdul's Straight Up. Nice. Oh, yeah, and they okay. go. It goes together. Uh, that's one of my favorite songs. Live, and do man. you that thing kills. mimic Paula Abdul? No, because that? you know, see, like, again, how much that, can you do? That's yeah. where it gets weird. I mean, like I do on this on the record. I do imitations. Uh, one of which actually got us into some trouble, which we can talk about. But um, I do imitations of the guys who are imitatable, like you know, mm-hmm. Axl Rose and uh, the, the somebody guy, distinct Leopard, voice like guys that. Yeah. Journey and stuff like that. Like when, but you know, some of the time, like with a Paula Abdul situation or Rick Springfield, you just kind of go, "I'm going to sing it like a rock or vo- like a rocked mm-hmm. out voice." Yeah, know? because. I don't know if I could, how effective I'd be at doing Paul Abdul. Plus, I don't have all the medication. Voices yeah. in the Jungle. <laughs> Voices in the Jungle. Okay, well, that's Welcome to the Jungle uh, by, by, of course, Guns N' Roses, combined with a song called Voices Carry by Till Tuesday. Uh, oh, hush, yeah. hush, keep it down now. Voices carry. Yeah. It fits perfect. And there's plenty of room to go, oh, no, no, wow, and all that yeah. you know, <laughs> actual stuff in there. So that's good, too. I love What about uh, uh, praying for a sweet weekend? That's a really good one. Praying for a sweet weekend is a combination. I like to say this is the song, before I introduce it on stage, I say this is what happens if Bon Jovi gets Loverboy pregnant and Guns N' Roses deliver the baby. It's uh, <laughs> it's praying for is living on a prayer for a sweet weekend is sweet child of mine and Loverboy is working for the weekend. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, three of them. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh, my God. And I mean, some of those songs, like, they're my favorite one on there, though, dude, it's amazing. It's called Dreaming of a Whole Lot of Breakfast. Mm-hmm. Okay? Now, there's there's three songs in the title, and there's a surprise song in there, too, because Dreaming of a Whole Lot of Breakfast is Whole Lot of Love, Zeppelin. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, Dreaming is Dream On by mm-hmm. Aerosmith. And Breakfast is a song called Breakfast in America. Now, do you know what that song is by Supertramp? You do. It's when they yes. go, take a look at my yes. girlfriend. Yeah. It's that song. Yeah. So we put those three together, and then the solo in that is actually from Stairway to Heaven. So it's got all kinds of You know of what's stuff. so cool is that 
in you know, like in this career and in this life you you, you know people I, sometimes people say to me you know like oh uh you know what like what is your goal like what, what's your goal like what do you, you know how do you uh you, you have to set a goal and then you have to reach the goal and sure. it's like look in this weird business, yeah. you have things that you're passionate about yeah. that you've always wanted to do. Exactly. But you have to do all the other things too to make you have to you have to let your life take you in the way that Dude. it's gonna go because God has a way, because in the end, you end up getting to perform on stage. You Dude. get to do the thing. The thing that you came to LA for in the first, the first place, place was I wanna be in a band. Here, here. Right? See, but then you come out here head. and you and then you're the voice of like you know, a million different things, and you're doing, uh, you know, video games, you're doing theme park rides, you're doing, uh, you know, cla- classic television, you're acting live on camera, and then all of that somehow leads back to you being in a band performing on stage in front of ACDC. See, I, I like, love that's you. insane. I love yeah. you so much because I you that's basically amazing. echoed something. I've shared that story, and it's like the roads are unbelievable, Steve. And I can even I, you know you're, you just hit it on the head. There's nothing to add to make that any better than what you just the way you just said it. The only thing that I can say in addition to that is that okay. So for whatever reason, and hallelujah, thank you, God, you know, I, I have done the things that I've done and have managed to do the things I've, I've managed to do. You know, I mean, I, I have no qualifications to do anything, okay? I'd be yeah. lucky to get a job at In-N-Out Burger, and instead I live up in the hills and a house looks like a freaking spaceship. It's mm-hmm. like, it, 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 so it's, awesome. it's just been this crazy, crazy thing. And for a while there, even when I was doing so much voiceover work, which that's me knocking, folks, mm-hmm. I'm still... So blessed to do because at the end of every year I'm thinking, well, maybe that was it, you know, because there's all these great people showing yeah. up all the time. I'm sure that was it. It was great. <laughs> then I start working again. I go, wow, this is great. <laughs> but but, but I, I would say in like, I don't know, like the mid 90s, I'd be hanging out. Now, you know, the the uh, melodic metal stuff, the Bon Jovi stuff, the Def Leppard stuff, that all kind of went out of fashion when Nirvana hit. I mean, this is a whole other side conversation. But I know a lot of guys who play in bands like that, from the Slaughters of the World to the Warrants to the Wingers to all these bands that were very successful in the 80s who sort of got phased out in the 90s. And we'd be sitting down together. And this is before Rock Sugar, by the way. And they'd say, man, it's so amazing you're doing all this. And I'd say, yeah, but dude, I envy you. You know, you've got to walk out on stages in front of 20,000 people and all these kind of things and that experience and the platinum albums. And, well, you know, I, part of me still wishes I, I could have done that. You know, not, not that mm-hmm. I was bitter or regretful. I was very grateful. But they'd go, dude, we got to do that for nine months out of the, out of the year, not have a home. Uh, feel completely displaced, hang out with women who didn't care at all who we were except that we were in that band. Yeah. Okay. Get ripped off by our managers and our agents and our promoters completely, spend two and a half years on the road, and at the end of it have maybe 90 grand to show for it, mm-hmm. after, you know. Um, and they go, and and now we can't, in, in so many words, we're lucky if we can get county fair gigs. Yeah. You know, for such, and they would go, I would kill to do what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, the voiceover thing. And it really sort of, kind of was a wake-up call and made me say wow i'm i'm unbelievably fortunate to 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 get to do this and to this day steve with with rock sugar and we're still doing shows we did a ton of shows for a while then we stopped for a while now we're starting to gear up to do more shows we're working on a new record too we got some great new stuff that we're doing because now they know pop songs from the 90s and the 2000s too because mm-hmm. they're back in civilization so it's cool but um we'll play these shows and you know we fly out and do them for a few days here and a few, a few days there and at the end of them you're exhausted and you're thinking, man, I don't know 
how this would have felt. I don't know how it would have affected my voice, you know, because the stuff I'm singing is really demanding, and then the stuff that I do at work is really demanding. And again, I'd be back to going, oh my gosh, I'm in trouble <laughs> again, you know? Yeah. You know? Oh, so yeah. it all works out the way it's supposed to work well, yeah. out. And like we, in, in the world of comedy, we run into people who are in a rock business all the time, and there's something you, you learn is that everyone that's a rock star secretly wants to be a comedian. Oh, yeah. And everyone that's a comedian secretly, secretly wants, wants to be, to be a, rock a rock star. 100%. Oh, all the time, man. We all, we, we, yeah, but dude. you know what? You know, and we're, now we're getting kind of philosophical, but that's kind of one of the beautiful things about the human spirit when it refuses to be complacent. You yeah. know, because even now, I mean, and it's a subject for another time, but I'm writing a book and I'm really, really excited about the book and I've talked to publishers about the book. And it, what's neat, too, is... It, neat, that's a really... I don't use that word a lot. <laughs> Anyhow, what's really cool is, is that certain things that I've been involved with in my in my life and career, I have had a feeling when I was doing them, this is really good. Like, a lot of things that I do, I, I certainly don't by any means think that everything I do is amazing. And on the occasions that I'm involved in something and go, wow, this is really, really good, it seems to go on to great success, whether it's Animaniacs or this show or this movie or Rock Sugar or whatever it's been that's had a lot of success. And my book, I'm like, this is really good. So it's like, in two years from now, I could be sitting here talking about this book, you know? So it's just like, life is pretty amazing. And as long as we keep swimming, you know, the ocean is a big venue to swim in you know what i mean hell yeah, yeah man yeah. well i hope that you'll come back and dude i would and anytime and i love you man again yeah and, and when your book comes out i hope that you'll come talk uh, talk about it i'll come oh, yeah. talk to you anyway but i'll be happy to come does, talk to you about that does the band perform anywhere locally like we were the house band at the house of blues a couple of years ago and that, and that was great we played there once a week uh, these days the gigs that we do and it's pretty awesome is we fly out and we do one-offs either opening up for a big band or playing on a festival mm-hmm. and it's always big and always great and if people want to keep up with it please Please come and say hi. I don't have a, a personal social media because I already have enough people mad at me for not calling them back. So I don't want to make it worse. But the band is on Facebook at Rock Sugar Band. So if you want to come and log on there and say hi, and there'll always be tour dates posted and stuff like that, we'd love to see everybody. And of course, Great. we ever play anywhere nearby, you know, you guys are my well, guests. You so. know, and and honestly, if ever you guys were interested in coming and closing out our live show, we do here in the main room of the Comedy Store. Yeah. I mean, of the uh, of the Hollywood Improv. Even just doing like um, one tune or something, like just a couple of tunes, like doing yeah. a couple couple songs. Done. Like three songs to close out the night. We would love to. Let have me you. know, yeah, man. I, I, I can say this again with no personal bias. It's the best party band ever because everybody. It's like you know every song, but they're all drunk. Oh, sounds like so much fun. Yeah, yeah. that sounds awesome. Cool. Bud. Well, hey, thanks so much for coming. Where uh, where can people find you if people want to? Like I said, go to Rock stuff. Sugar Band on Facebook. You can say hi to me there. My administrator will eventually yell at me and <laughs> <laughs> take it. But like I said, people are always saying you got to get social media, and I'm thinking Do about you stay it. Stay off Twitter and stuff. Stuff. Like I that? have a Twitter too, but I, I somebody runs it for me the thing is that i am so like when i go out and i do events and i meet people i try to establish connections with them and and make them feel more like a friend than a fan because i don't like the fan word it it suggests that there's some sort of difference between me and them and i think that's bullshit so i don't subscribe to it right that's very cool right so the but the social media thing what i'm afraid of if i did it is everybody i ever met would get on there and say hey jess what's up Mm -hmm. and i'd never answer them because i I don't have time and then they'd hate me people get their feelings hurt and i don't want to hurt anybody's feelings hey what i thought we uh, exactly. You know, buddies, and then you just it just hurts my yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I thought that we, we were, were friends. friends. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Uh, God. You know. Well, I gotta 
uh, I, I got to tell you, man, so damn cool having you in. Thanks, man. This was a total blast. And, uh, For me too, buddy. Thank uh, you. Matt, where can people find you in the world? Uh, yeah. Just go to funnymat.com. Just redid my website, and you can find links to everything there. Or if you didn't like me on the show, please let me know at mattwalkersucks.com. They, oh, yeah, he's got two. That's good. Yes, yeah. people do let him know. What about you, man? Where do we find you, dude? You can get me at <laughs> Stephen Glickman, uh, S-T-E-P-H-E-N Glickman on all social media. That's uh, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And then don't forget to subscribe to the Nighttime Show podcast. Don't forget to uh, share it and, and uh, tell all your friends about it. And uh, I love you so much for coming in. Thanks a lot, buddy. Thank you so much. You bet. Rock on, everybody. Rock and roll. Yes, dude.